Welcome back to the D3 Golf Guys podcast. We've got a great show for you now. We even have a very special guest co-host. But first, I want to talk about our friends at Titleist. Titleist is the number one brand in golf for a reason, gang, and it is doing some great things. Find your Titleist rep today and go check out all the new stuff that they're putting out, from golf balls to equipment to even clothes and golf gloves. They're the best brand in golf. Now let's get into the show. All right. On a very special episode of D3 Golf Guys tonight, I have a very special guest co-host this evening, Mr. Joe Foley, uh, formerly of Gustavus Adolphus. Welcome to the program, Joe. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Well, uh, it's great. We're, we're expanding our, uh, our our D3 Golf Guys and Gals out there. So Joe was lucky enough to uh, to get the call and said, yes, he was available. So he is going to be our guest co-host tonight as we get into some of this uh, recent activity and look forward to the Savannah Invitational Preview. And we'll get a little background on Mr. Foley here and uh, he'll help us understand what it's like to play golf in Minnesota at, in college. So we'll go through all that. But first, let's let's run down sort of one of the big tournaments we saw already this, this spring. We had the D3 Lid Lifter out in the Houston area in Kingwood. Um, which was a very good tournament. We'll start with the ladies' side. Uh, at the ladies, had a really nice tournament. Mary Harden Baylor comes out on top, 317, 315. Really solid first day by Mary Harden Baylor there. Uh, finishing sex, second is te- Texas at Dallas, 326, but a really a, a best round of 313 on uh, round two for them. St. Thomas, Texas finishes third. East Texas Baptist, fourth. Dallas, University of Dallas, fifth. And Harden Simmons University sixth. Um, individually, Sydney McConnell for Mary Harden Baylor uh, wins by one stroke. She shoots back to back 75s for a 150 total. She beats uh, Emma Luna from uh, St. Thomas, Texas uh, by one. She shot 76 75. Uh, finishing third was Sophia Trevino from University of Texas, Dallas, who had a 78 on day one, but a uh, course best 74 on day two. Uh, followed uh, fourth place is Karen Alvarez, her teammate, University of T- Texas at Dallas, also 77-78. Emily Watson from East Texas Baptist, 79-77. So pretty, some pretty good play in there by the ladies, Joe. They, you got to admit, the, the ladies are getting it done this year. Well, for sure. And I, I think the change in distance to the golf course has made a huge difference, um, as well as the level of play in Division Three girls golf has just gone through the roof lately. Yeah, and it's it's amazing to see. And actually, um, there's a good chance that D3 Golf Guys will be at the Women's Division uh, Three National Championship this year. And uh, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a barn burner. We're going to talk a little bit more about uh, a big, big tournament coming up this week uh, down in your neck of the woods, Joe. So, uh, but, but a good performance by Mary Harden Baylor. I'd like to see that. They're the host this year for Nationals. Um, so they've had a great uh, early start to their spring with a win. So that'll help. Now, on the other side, the men also hosted at the same course, that also the D3 lid lifter. Um, Mary Hard Baylor's men came out on top by two strokes over Texas at Dallas. Uh, East Texas Baptist finishes third. Uh, University of Dallas fourth. Millsaps College from Jackson, Mississippi came over, finished fifth. Harden Simmons finished sixth. And Howard Payne finished seventh. And here you go, Joe. Winning this, this tournament this year, Andrew Bauckham, Mary Harden Baylor, 63 Seventy-four for a seven-under total. I've, I've shot yeah, fifty-three before. 
and then had like three or four more holes to go. But that is getting it done. I've, I've done that once in my life, and I I can't tell you a single shot that I hit. You know, now going into that, it was a complete blackout. So <laughs> yeah. it's to be able to do it in a tournament under the gun is something. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, he had a he had a he only had a five shot lead over two other guys coming in uh, after day one. So he wins after a sixty three seventy four. Davis Archer finishes second by two strokes from University of Texas at Dallas seventy sixty nine. Kip Childress from East Texas Baptist goes sixty eight seventy two four under total. Ryan Crop from University of Texas at Dallas sixty nine seventy four, and then we had two tied at fifth. Both from Mary Hard Baylor, Harrison Yeager and William Salmons, 71-73, identical scores. Um, so, again, good plan, but holy cow, 63. Whew, man, and then it's just great to see some more 60s in the, in, in the cards there. I don't expect to see some of those low scores as we get into some of the other stuff um, here in the spring because I think some of the, the eastern course is going to be a little wetter, a little softer. Um, that'll restrict you a little bit there. They obviously are playing in, in Houston. Houston's had some good weather. Um, but that golf course they were playing was not – it wasn't very simple. So, um, you know, when you look at the, the scores at at all, I mean, all around, people are pretty much breaking 80 every time. So that's that's good playing out of the most of the, mostly the Texas schools and the one t- couple schools from outside of Texas. Yeah, I think, like, along those lines – a lot of those schools mean they'll play year round. They keep the scoring up to date. So early on, I think that's, that's pretty good. And as the season goes on here, I think some of those other schools from outside Texas are, and Southeast are going to kind of catch up to that with the course conditions. Yeah. You know, and I think when you look at how things are set up for everybody, it, you know, it back in my day, we had regions and you were competing against your region. There are some advantages here with, with the automatic qualifiers it really basically lets you kind of go, Hey, go take care of your business at your conference. And then you're going to nationals no matter what. And then if you're good enough, if you, if you don't win conference, it's, it limits the field a bit, but we, we've been getting the right number of teams in over the last couple of years. I know last year was tough because of COVID restrictions. And I feel like there's probably two or three teams left out that probably shouldn't have been. But if we have our normal allotment, which we have this year, those teams get in and it's really not, not much of an issue. No, I I think to some degree with the automatic qualifiers in some conferences, it's it's a little different because there are a lot of conferences that are a lot weaker. But So I always felt like there should be a regional still, but I understand why they give a automatic for a conference champion. Yeah, Because, I mean, it, if you it, win your conference, you should right, be well, rewarded. It's also Division three, right? So it's, it's, you know, Division three is designed to be more inclusive. Um, but that's also why we can't do regionals. We don't. We don't have enough money to do regionals. Regionals was put on by the NCAA, and um, it's just it, it, as much as we would all love to do that. Honestly, if you looked and said, "All right, we're going to send everybody to regionals," the same teams would probably make it that make the cut anyway. So because oh, we yeah. have the cut, if we didn't have a cut, you're right, we would have to do regionals. But because we have yeah, a cut, sure. it's fine. All right, so now let's talk about the guy that is our guest co-host. By the way, he's got his D3 Golf Guys t-shirt on, which is even, uh, which is even better. So, Joe, give us a little background. Where, where did you grow up in high school and, and sort of, you know, growing up, where, where were you in, in your golf exploits? And then we'll figure out how you got to Gustavus Adolf. Yeah, so I, uh, I grew up in Brainerd, Minnesota, which for those of you who don't know is 
two hours north of the Twin Cities. It's uh, the small town where the sheriff is from in the movie Fargo. So <laughs> whenever I, I tell people down down here at Seattle where I'm at, uh, tell them that they always look at me a little funny. So I have to follow it up with, I don't own a wood chipper. So <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. if you haven't, if, but for all the young people who don't know what he's talking about, go Netflix, the movie Fargo, and then you will understand a lot more about that. <laughs> yeah. So, what I found it being in the van these days, Joe, um, some of these, some of these comments are lost in translation to some of these young people. <laughs> so I'm, I should have had the nickname one liner. I know movie and TV quotes pretty good. And I love old TV. Um, but as I was saying, you know, I'm from Brainerd, Minnesota. Uh, my dad is a, a really good teacher back in Minnesota, Chris Foley. And then, uh, I, so I grew up playing the, the classic at Madden's every day. You know, okay. I've been spoiled my whole life with great golf and uh, played at Brainerd High School. And my senior year was part of the, the winningest team in program history. And mm-hmm. when I left there, I, I believe that I had more wins than anybody in program history at eight or nine, okay. which was pretty good, uh, but never had the junior career to really go and play at uh, a Division One school. So I actually did, ended up not at Gustavus as a freshman, but as a sophomore. I went ah. the route of going to NAIA uh, school at Grandview University in 2016, 2017. Yeah, okay. So I uh, I was one of the Then you got smarter. Yeah, so I, I say that I always bury the lead. I wasn't smart enough to get into Gustavus in high school. <laughs> I, I, I was a horrendous high school student. Like, I mean, terrible. And it wasn't that I would do bad on tests. I would do great on tests. I used to lazy and wouldn't do my homework. Yeah. Yeah. Hit too many golf balls, probably. It, well, really, it was. I, I would get home from school and I'd be like, yeah, I don't want to do this. I'm, I'm going to go play nine holes or I'm going to go hit balls or, <laughs> you know, go over to the simulator and, and hit some and roll a few putts. And that would be that. So, so you end up getting into Gustavus. Now, now who was your coach there? So Scott Moe was my coach there, and then uh, Randy Stuckey was our assistant coach. Perfect. So, so, uh, so Coach Moe come and say, "Hey, come, come over here, come play, come play with us." Did you call him? Well, it, it's actually a funny story. So I'm I'm at the classic playing that summer, and I had just entered the transfer portal, and uh, I meet this kid named Sam Makeup. There, there was no who, transfer portal back then. <laughs> no, no, exactly. <laughs> Just, just so we're clear for all the for all the dads that are listening, going there's no such thing as a transfer portal back then. <laughs> but I, I had just, you know, kind of had the tough conversation with my coach after they had won nationals and all that, and um, said, you know, I, I was never happy at the school, never felt like it challenged me. Um, I kind of want to look somewhere else, and so I was stuck, kind of going back through that process, and was a little lost with it, and. Sam was playing the group behind me, had a good conversation with him. Well, next day, day I was working in the shop at Craig's Legacy course and saw him and saw the Gustavus bag and said, oh, you play the Gustavus. He said, yeah, yeah, I, I played. You know, I was a hockey player, too. Didn't, you know, play competitive golf really until college, but was our number two or three player. I said, oh, that's neat. And I said, you know, I've, I've been meaning to get in contact with, with Scott. You know, I've been looking at transferring. And he goes, well, he's looking for somebody that can play. Uh, I'm going to text him right now. And literally within five minutes, I had a text from Scott Moe on my phone that said, 
hey, I want you to come down and visit. Let me know what date works for you. And so uh, it ended up being my dad never went with me on really too many of my visits because he was always working. So my mom went with me. And if my mom really liked the coach, that was good. Yeah. So I go down there. It's a Swedish Lutheran school. My mom really liked that because her great grandfather was a Swedish Lutheran minister. <laughs> and so she was like, you get okay, mom, you get the kid, you get mom, I, you get the kid every time. Yeah. So she goes, I'm, I'm sold. And then I meet with Scott. And I saw the facilities at Gustavus. So I'm like, okay, this is, this is special. Yeah. And I, there's a lot of my friends. I think I'm in. Do not it, understand. Do not no, understand the it, facilities there. No, I mean, so when I got there, we had all the flight scopes and then we got a foresight within my first year of being there. We had a 20 by 15 putting green with 2% of slope on it, a full swing simulator, Apple TV with a projector that's hitting the wall. So you have like a 50 foot TV in there. Yeah. You know, it was awesome. Yeah. Where I went to, where I went to school, we just went outside all year. So it was fine. Yeah. Well, you know, you want to hit off grass. <laughs> That's all right. Okay, so you get to get to Gustavus, and, and and I know a little bit of your background, but tell everybody sort of you know it, it went pretty good at Gustavus for you. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed my time there. Um, played decent. I never felt like I had a great college career, but um, I was always corrupted by the golf swing and trying to be own my swing a little bit too much on the range, and maybe didn't spend as much time playing as I should have. Okay. I think it but, worked out for your profession. Yeah, it, for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah. But I, I pretty much lived at the Drentel Golf Facility. So <laughs> Scott, Scott will tell you that I had a cot somewhere in the back out there. <laughs> and there, there was like actually on one time. It, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So you play at Gustavus, and then, you, okay, you, you graduate, and then, and then what happens? Well, I was originally supposed to go work for the Jim McClain Golf Schools down in Miami. And because COVID was my senior year, we, uh, I got to May, which was a month before I was supposed to leave. And I got a call from Jim's director of instruction said, hey, uh, we're cutting all of our assistants. So I'm like, oh, great. You know, I'm just going to work for my dad all summer. And then he goes, yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, I'll keep in contact with you like every two weeks to a month. And then uh, we'll bring you on the fall if we can. Yeah. And he goes, if something else comes up, take it though. So I'm like, okay, great. You know, I'll go down there and you know, in the fall, I could spend another summer in Brainerd. What could be better than Brainerd Lakes area? Really? I mean, it's the best spot in the country in the summertime. And then we get through the end of May, heard nothing from him. Get through. So the 4th of July, I heard nothing. I looked at my dad and I said, I need to start reaching out to people again. And so the first person I thought of, because it was where I wanted to come here, TPC Sawgrass, because the teaching staff Mm -hmm. um, at each, I reached back out to Craig Allen and said, Craig, I interviewed with the PGA show. This is what I've been doing since. And he got back to me about 16 hours later, said, uh, well, hey, listen, that's great. If you come down and sit behind the desk at the Performance Center observe for, you know, four months or so, 
I'll get you teaching right away. And so the promise was that I would spend so much time observing and getting to know all the staff and the membership that would come through and a lot of the juniors and guests that would come through regularly and just keep learning and and then get me teaching right away after that was all done. And it worked out great because we had um, one of our assistants was Lindy LeBove, who is Jack Lumpkin's granddaughter, who's now a director mm-hmm. of instruction out in Arizona. So she had left the year before and they had filled a position with Tom Hemmings, who's a fitness specialist, um, because there, there was a need to bring somebody on to help Randy out, Randy Myers, who's best fitness guy in the industry. And then uh, Davis Whitmer, who was uh, in my position as well, our other assistant at the time, was leaving for a director of instruction position in his home state of Virginia. So he goes, I got nobody. If you come down and do this, I got you coming in. And they have another guy from Methodist that's going to come in and, and do this. And uh, he's going to help Daniel with the PDP. And then you can come in and, you know, when that grows, you can help with that. And then you can also work on building your clientele and get really good at this from the right people. Yeah. I love hearing, I love hearing multiple D3 guys get together to solve problems. That's when I, that's when I get excited. We have a couple D3 guys here. We have a couple Methodist guys. Of course, yeah, you know, there's, those Methodist there's, guys there's are PG little... Methodist guys everywhere. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. it's the, it's the PGM program there too. Yeah. That does such a good job. I mean, it's, it's a world-class PG. It, it's one of the best ones in the entire country. It, it really um, and, is. I, I think them and fair state have the two best probably from the people I've been around those programs. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So Joe, see, so you, you're now a, you're working in sea Island, which is, you know, rough place to hang. Hopefully the Georgia Bulldogs aren't driving you too crazy down there. Um, no, no. I, I love college football. So it, it's been fun to get into it. <laughs> Good. Yeah. St. Simon's gets a little fun during the uh, Georgia, Florida game, formerly known as the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. But that, St. Simon's gets a little more active uh, that that weekend of every every year. I know because I've been there, um, and St. Simon's is one of my favorite places in the entire world to go hang out and get some food where you can have some good food in kind of a sleepy little town but has world class golf there. So if you get the chance, um, get to St. Simon's. Uh, it's just a, a good lead into our next conversation. But first, I want to talk a little bit about playing golf in Minnesota. So we talk a lot about sort of you know, the Northern schools have to kind of have things different where you're like, so Gustavus is actually competing in the conference. And I think they finished second to St. John's, though they made a big charge in the fall to where now it's spring. Like, unless they're, unless you're flying out of there, they're, they're still inside, aren't they, Joe? Yeah. So at the Drinsall Golf Facility, Gustavus is really fortunate because they got two hitting bays they can open up have multiple people hitting off the mats out into to the field. And what we do is we'd, we'd run tractor tires out and put them in the snow for targets. <laughs> um, and then they got the launch monitors and simulators and everything. But the, the thing that they don't tell you, though, about the late or kind of early spring and winter in Minnesota is those kids have way more of an advantage to work on the mechanics of their swing than anybody else because they don't have to worry about scoring. And then I'm a big believer that scoring after you do that becomes a lot easier after a week or two getting outside. Yeah. No, I, I, I definitely think that being a kid from the Midwest, I would say 
there's a big advantage to kind of not worrying about score for a while and just worrying about contact and feel and, and understanding your swing. I agree. I, I think there's something, something to that. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting, uh, you know, as we kind of go, there's going to be some of the Northern schools that are getting out. I know um, as we talk about the next one, we'll talk about one of them specifically because one of our guys is uh, is big on Twitter and it's basically it's second day outside is the, is one of the practice rounds that I just got, got to. So uh, going down to the, to the, to the golden coast of Georgia, uh, just up from St. Simon's is Savannah where Barry college, which is from Rome, Georgia is hosting a very, very big, both men's and women's tournament. We're going to start with the, the women's side. It, it, it's the practice rounds start on Monday and then it's Tuesday, Wednesday, and it is going to be lights out. Awesome. If there is a, if you're in the, if you're in and around the Savannah area, get to watch this call because it's going to be great. So the women chart side, and this is where this is going to be really fun. They have the number one team in the country, the number two team in the country, the number three team in the country, and the number six team in the country, all there at this tournament. And there's also number 10 and number 14 and some other good programs that are going to be at this tournament. I mean, light it up and just get ready to go watch uh, the pairings here. Cause it's going to be, uh, you know, it, it's going to be all world. It's going to be Carnegie and Emory going head to head. Methodist is going to be there ready to go. It, it's, it's going to be awesome. So you've got right now in the women's college uh, in the women's coaches bowl, Carnegie Mellon, number one, Emory, number two, Methodist, number three. And if anybody thinks that Methodist is a distant third, you're crazy. Right, Jillian Drinkard and those girls can really, really hit it. Emory's kind of uh, they, out of nowhere. They took it deep in the team. fall. Oh yeah, yeah. And then Carnegie, well, I saw them play last year, and we knew last year they were coming because they played. They had four deep, really good girls, um, and then also you also have center who has Riley Suter, who's probably one of the best players in the country. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if. If she got a call about coming up division, you know, in the in the summer, because she's that good, um, and she's got some good players around her at center too. And so I, I it's going to be that those four teams there. I'm going to be watching really closely on golf staff for the next couple of days here to watch the, the women play. They also too, it will be very interesting to watch individually there. Um, you know, it, Carnegie's kind of got, they've got several good ones. They, they, they've got the ability to kind of have three or four different ones show up. Emory's a little bit the same way. What I, I really want to watch Emory. They kind of came out of nowhere. They brought a lot of young, young girls in, but they're really good. It's going to be interesting to kind of watch them to go, be able to, to, can they put their bag down next to Methodist and Carnegie, you know, for, th- for two days, you know, and go, all right, we're, we're here. We're not backing down. Yeah, I, th- I think that's going to be a really good learning experience for them as well, being so young and just getting out there and kind of going. It's not too much different than playing with somebody that was a senior in high school that shot this versus a senior in college doing it. Yeah, you know, but there's a lot of times when we talk about it, too, which I uh, I always think people sometimes, di- you know, discount, which is no, no, no. Being able to walk up and put your bag down on the tee box with the likes of the the top five, six teams in the country, there's something to that because I've seen a lot of teams get paired and go, huh, what, who? 
And all of a sudden, yeah, there, no, for sure. You know, guy throws four birdies at you in a row. You got to kind of say, "Yeah, that's not my game. I got to kind of stay here." Um, do you ever ever experience anything like that, Joe? Yeah, I, I for sure experienced something like that. I played uh, U.S. Amateur qualifying one year, and I had uh, Pete Jones, who ended up playing at the U of M, and uh, Sam Faust, who went to Oregon in my group. And I think I was getting beat by fifteen on the. Uh, through like 27 holes. Both those guys were five or six hundred, I think. And I was hitting the eject button like hard that day. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, 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 I didn't ever have to worry about that. Um, that wasn't, uh, that, that wasn't my, uh, my part of in the story. Uh, but I did get to caddy for a few of my friends in, in uh, the dogwood a couple of times where we played with the likes of Tim Mickelson and yeah. uh, Charlie Yates and actually this scrawny little kid who had big head, Coke bottle glasses, and like gym shoe, golf shoes. Yeah, it was Charles Howe the uh, Third. <laughs> tell you how old I am. It's Charles Howe the Third. I, I got old guys on tour right now. I got a great story about Charles. Yeah, I was at the RSM and uh, I'm sitting behind him watching him hit balls because I was running the range and somebody comes up and goes, oh, what, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm just sitting here. He's got one of my favorite swings. He, he looks back at me and just goes, hey, thanks, and comes up and starts talking yeah. to me. The nicest guy in the world. The it biggest was so funny. He was I've a high met. schooler. He was a high schooler when and he played the Dogwood. And he was just just a you know, nerdy little kid who just had done nothing but play golf. And we were like, I, and I have no idea because I, I, I played basketball too. So I'm like, who's this nerdy little kid with the gym shoe, golf shoes? And all of a sudden he took one swing and you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, all right. So that's the, the women's side there. So the other teams that are going to be there, uh, Methodist, Carnegie Mellon, Hanson City, Guilford, Center, Huntington, Oglethorpe, Swanee, Emory, Barry, Washington and Lee, Christopher Newport, Transylvania, Piedmont, Randolph-Macon, Lynchburg on the women's side. Great field. Absolutely great field. And, and what's also going to be interesting here is you got to kind of watch some of the twos and threes, uh, you know, levels down here because some of that's going to be, hey, you know, can you get into the top 15? Can you, can you get your way in there? There's also going to be really important individual stuff as we get in there. Um, yeah. For some of the people who are not on the teams who are going to go. So like Sarah, she from Oglethorpe, who um, was, was leading nationals for a little while as an individual last year, you know, okay, wh- where does she finish? And there's some other individuals like out there in, in Washington and Lee and, and Christopher Newport. Um, you know, the other thing too, you have to kind of be cautious of is who's in pool B. That's the biggest thing right now um, that I can see is, is, you know, all right, Pool B is the teams who don't have the automatic qualifiers. So that's the Carnegie's of the world, the Emory's of the world, the Washington and Lee's of the world, uh, you know, some of those other schools, Christian Newport uh, in there. So you have to kind of be careful. It's like, all right, well, when you have two or three really good Pool B teams, you're like, wait a second, this, it's getting tight fast. Um, so that'll be interesting to kind of keep our eye on the women's side. On the men's side, Wait till you hear this field. <laughs> and, 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 and the Barry coach is one of the best guys in the world, good friend of mine. Here you go. Ready? It, they've got 25 teams. They got 12 of, or no, not, not 25. They got 12 of the top 25 teams playing in this tournament for the men. I mean, that's, that's a strong field. That's got to be as deep of a field outside of golf week or the preview that you can get. 
I mean, I, w- wait, wait another, wait another couple of weeks when we get to Jekyll, and you might see it. You might see it equally or better, slightly better, stronger field. Because Jekyll's always a big event too. I mean, that's the yeah. thing. You always get, you know, ten of the top fifteen sometimes. Yeah, it's it's uh it's the spring break trip. It's really easy to get to. Um, actually, I saw some great photos that some people were sharing about uh, the Johnny Polk Invitational, which is a high school tournament down there. Um, and I know you haven't been down to St. Simons for a long time, but if you ever get over to Jekyll, ask about, ask about Johnny Polk. He's one of the greatest characters in all of golf. He took care of us for a long time when we were down there. He used to call out people's names at the masters for, for years. So just, a the, one of the most interesting guys in the world. Great, a great person who built the game of golf fabulously for around the world. Um, really cool. All right. So let's get into the men's side at Barry. All right. 12 of the top 25. We've got number one, Emery. Number two, Methodist. All right, that that's going to be fun to watch because yep. those two in the fall, that was it. They, if they showed up, they were there. Here's the other good one, Huntington at four. Okay, uh, right. Then you've got Carnegie at seven, and Carnegie might be ready to come. I, it just depends. Had they had they hit enough balls up north, and so our guy will not will come out. Who was saying basically it's his second day outside in practice round. They're playing today. Um, but I, you know, I think they're going to be ready, and they're hungry. They're a little upset. They're outside the top five right now. Yeah. Um, all right. So Carnegie at seven, Greensboro nine, and I got to see Greensboro earlier this year. They're pretty good. It's going to be a matter of can they time it up. Um, sometimes they'll have two or three guys that have good days at the same time, and sometimes they'll have two or three guys that have bad days at the same time. That's probably the only thing keeping them out of that top six or so too. Uh, York College is coming down at 11 in the coaches poll uh oglethorpe at 12 washington and lee at 13 christopher newport at 15 piedmont at 17 suwanee at 22 and hampton city at 24 i mean, that is a deep field that's that's it's a preview for the national championship right here (laughs) well i mean there's a couple other people who are going to throw their hat in the ring but i mean yeah i mean you told me that one of those teams in the, with single digits was in it, I'd be like, okay. Now, I, I still think Emory and Methodist are just a slight class above. Yeah, it, it seems like Emory or Methodist, they just need to show up and the tournament's pretty yeah. much won. Well, in I the mean, fall, and, it was. And, and I think we'll, we'll get some of the, Emory, the Methodist guys on. I finally got a hold of the Methodist guys. <laughs> so I know Henry, Henry sent me his information. Henry, we're going to reach out to you. You got, Go win this tournament, Henry, and I'll have you on. All right? So just no pressure, but you go win. I'll, I'll have you on the podcast. Um, but I think Emory with their seniors and the, and the really powerful software they have right now, they're really good. And they stared Methodist in the eye in the pre. So that it's, it's head to head now, but they've got those two seniors. Emory does that have put that bag down alongside the, the other teams for long enough. And I'm like, all right, but I'm going to really be watching a lot of the other tournament here because there's a lot of really important stuff, you know, where does Oglethorpe finish from 12? You know, where does York? York's going to be a really interesting. York and Greensboro. All right, Greensboro, we've seen them enough. But where does York finish in this one? Do they come down and end up middle of the pack, back half? Or do they come in in top six and above? Oh, okay. You know, and yeah. so any, it's what I always watch. When anytime we get to these spring break type tournaments, West Coast teams coming east, East Coast teams going west, North teams coming down. All right, where do you fit? Because that's a big pool season, right? If York comes down and gets beat by 
teams who we know aren't going to win the conference or at least one of them, then all of a sudden you're like, all right, you've got a loss against, right? So what they need to make sure they beat at least Oglethorpe and Sewanee. So they've got, then they need to hope that the other one wins the SAA, right? Like, okay. Or Barry, right? Like, all right, we've got tournaments here. Like that's what this means. And I always, I've had some people go like, how can we always talk about the national championship? I'm like, because that's what people care about. Right, Joe? Yeah. Yeah. Nobody cares a whole lot about these smaller events, but they care about how they get to nationals. So if you can compound your head-to-head against all these other teams, it's pretty easy to get to nationals. But if for whatever reason, and it kind of plays out this way, you be the team that's better than you, but then they go and they have two or three bad losses to some other teams way below, it hurts you. So how everything balances is out at the end is so important yeah and i really like the word you use there compound right because it's almost like compounding interest it's like yeah, yeah you can you stack a couple wins it's not even win the tournament no no you can finish six and have the the people who you know you need to beat finish eighth ninth and tenth that's what you're talking about right yeah so so just to run down the field because this is a really good field even the guys even the teams who aren't in the top 25 are really good so you've got barry Huntington, LaGrange, Methodist, Emory, Washington and Lee, Hampton, Sydney, Oglethorpe, Piedmont, Rochester's coming down, Sewanee, Christopher Newport, Guilford, Center, York, Transylvania, Greensboro, and North Carolina West. Yeah, that's that's tough. I mean, okay, strap it on. First tournament out of the gate. Let's go. Um, yeah, that's, that's good, tournament. though. You, you oh, want yeah. a little bit I'm, of a dogfight early on. I mean... Nothing will test your lineup more than something like this, right? And that's where, you know, some of the kids who, they don't quite get it. it it's about trust. And sometimes coaches will pick a fifth guy because it's like, well, I don't think he'll have the better score for two days, but he might have one score that I need that day. So, you know, yeah, that week. Well, and I can kind of count on one versus the other. And there's a lot of coaching decisions that go into that. Yeah, it's so interesting because for a lot of these schools, they can't quite do qualifying. So now it's like, okay, I'm going to give maybe somebody else a shot here that they've kind of been right on that barrier. And it could be a make or break it for an individual season in that first event too that way, psychologically well, you know, and playing-wise, just with the coaching perfect, staff. perfect example was last year with Ethan from Illinois Wesleyan. He, he came down as an individual to Jekyll and nailed it. And, and, and that was awesome because that was the tornado, hurricane, sideways rain umbrellas going across the pond he played great and he's the thing that really steadied them into nationals and, and to to win which was cool to see and, and that's kind of where you're like all right and and this this tournament has several individuals uh most of them for the southern southeastern teams but Car- carney's bringing a couple uh, but you know that's the other piece too is like all right if you have a little bit of a we got six i don't really know who five and six are all right well, come on, let's go get in the in the soup and let's get in the fight because this one's going to be yeah, good. yeah. It's always going to be the kid who embraces that fight more than anyone else, mm-hmm. you know, or at least handles the fight the best. It's right. always going to be that. So again, uh, if 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 you're a D three golf guy fan, you'll be locked on to golf stat watching what's going on down in Savannah here in the middle of this week. I know I know I'll have it up on my phone at least somewhere and be checking in. But uh, other than that, 
Joe, thanks so much for, for coming on and uh, guest co-hosting. We'll, we'll definitely have you on again. I got to keep having you on or so I can come to Sea Island and get some yep. free lessons and some free rounds in for sure. Come down. We'll, I'll treat you to golf, some lessons. We'll go Southern Soul. Yo, I, I'll, treat for, I'll treat for food. I, I got that. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll take care of that. Not, not a problem. I, that's that's my specialty down there. Um, but yes, and so, so now, now I'd like to point out that we now have our own special Foley brother for our podcast, which, you know, just to say, Panther Mike, suck it. We like Joe. <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, he's, he's a beauty. He's got it. You know, he just got one of the best head pro jobs in the country. So I couldn't be more proud of him. So what we're talking about is Joe's brother, Mike, is also a golf professional. And for those of you that listen to No Lane Up, he's the Panther Mike they always talk about. Um, and, and I don't remember how I connected the two. I, I don't remember that. But uh, so that's why I, I didn't want to talk to Mike. I want to talk to Joe. He's a <laughs> Division Three guy. So, uh, but yeah. Joe, thanks for coming on, man. Awesome to have you on. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me on, Mike. Appreciate it. Thank you.